season, a draw in game 407 for that man, Sean Burgoyne. A fourth draw for Alistair Clarkson. There's a man in charge for the Hawks. And all the heroes go out. Aspie, Burgoyne, Basha Hawley and Alistair Clarkson in a very, very strange end to a very, very strange season. Congratulations to all involved. Walking up side by side, Alistair Clarkson. After 390 games as the Hawthorne coach in four premierships, and Sean Burgoyne, the first Indigenous player to play 407 games. We've arrived at the end of another eventful home and away season for the Hawks, and what a weird way to wrap things up. Not a gut-wrenching loss, but not quite the fairy tale finish we were hoping for either. Nevertheless, we bid farewell to Alistair Clarkson and Sean Burgoyne last weekend, and now we're taking a breath and taking stock of the 2021 season, and there might just be a bright future ahead for the Hawthorne Football Club after all. Welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, there's a couple of news items that we're going to get to right at the top of the show. Hit me with it. Is it good news? I believe it is good news. Uh, Adrian Hickmott has left one nest for another. I, uh, I remember Adrian Hickmott from my uh, days heading off to uh, Princess Park watching the Blues. He was a very crafty little footballer who... Um, the fans loved, I think, because he was a dead-eyed dick. Uh, that's right, former Carlton and Geelong player who uh, has joined the Hawks as an assistant coach, having spent the last 10 years at the Eagles. Now, uh, he's performed a variety of assistant coaching roles over, over at the West Coast Eagles during his tenure. He was backline coach for a bit, uh, contested ball coordinator during the 2018 premiership season, and he was midfield coach this year. And uh, at one point, I think the Eagles were number one clearance team in the comp at one point or another. I, I suspect that might have waned, but uh, they, they were going all right. So a good acquisition, I reckon. So what you're telling me is what we thought Mitchell was great at in 2018 at the Eagles, it was actually him? Is that what you're telling me? Now, why can't it be a combined effort, huh? <laughs> oh, okay, it's a combined effort. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but impressive stats. And obviously, they're, uh, they, they maintain good standards at the Eagles, don't they? They're frustratingly consistent, apart from last month of the season which sort of uh, he jumps off right at the correct moment I would say I think you make a good point I mean they don't necessarily ever bottom out the Eagles they're kind of just they hang around don't they like a bad smell they're just so annoyingly either really good or they're kind of still in the conversation anyway yeah they did bottom out um, about 2012 or so didn't they about the time Adrian got there that's a good decade ago now yeah but they righted the ship fairly well, and, and although Simo's under a bit of pressure at the moment. Uh, so he's the first coaching appointment that Sammy's made. Yeah, that's right. Sam Mitchell described Hickmott as the kind of guy who will uh, give you a cuddle and punch you in the face in the same sentence, uh, noting that you know some players respond to one approach when it comes to coaching and some players respond to the other. Uh, he loves to surf, meditate, do push-ups, apparently. He's coached an Indigenous team. Um, basically, Sam Mitchell, and this is with the uh, Inside the Huddle conference that that we had last night for members uh, Mitchell pointed out that Hickmott's going to be really important to him personally because he's going to be a key pillar of support through what is obviously his first year as senior coach we heard last night on inside the huddle that Mitchell has managed to negotiate for another coaching position to be employed under him which adds to the number they've got there this year and they still need to find a replacement for Sammy at Box Hill and a development coach, and whether that's one in the same role or two roles. And we're hearing, or I've been hearing for a little while, um, I was only listening to him on Xavier Ellis' podcast a couple of weeks ago, catching up, uh, David Hale, um, 
He has big aspirations to coach a, a whole footy club, but he's been doing marvellous things under Longmuir at, at Frio, and they're trying to pull David Hale across. And it raises a question, now we're up in the ante on that Schultz target. Does he come with him? Schultz, the uh, the small forward at Frio? Well, yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised, you know, based on the reports that we've heard that if David Hale was successfully pried out of the West and, and came back to the Hawks, Lockie Schultz is an interesting one. Um, you know, maybe Hale coming across would be the sweetener that's required, but I don't, I don't know. I've read reports, you know, even prior to the last couple of days that Schultz wants to remain in WA. Well, that's what you would say if you wanted Hawthorne to up their offer, which is exactly <laughs> what we're going to do, apparently. That's what I'm hearing. We're going to up our offer to Schultz, and uh, obviously that has repercussions for fellas on our list. Um, the other thing is, could uh, Adrian Hickmott be bringing anybody across from the West Coast Eagles? And, of course, there's been rumours about a couple of wingmen, centre midfielders, Sammy might have an eye. And we're talking about the younger guys, like um, Jared Brander, who's a Melbourneite, or, well, he's at Geelong College or Geelong Grammar, whichever one that is. And... Uh, you know, I think he's looking to return home. He certainly gets overlooked way too often. Um, you know, but that's the kind of thing you find. You bring over a coach; they've got their pet players. Well, we had a listener question from Lee here that that pertains to what we're talking about. Uh, with Mitchell as senior coach and now Hickmott joining the Hawks, do you think we may be able to shake a player out of West Coast like Liam Duggan, who is out of contract? Would you have a look at Duggan? I don't really know much about Duggan. He he seems to have a lot more potential than he's showing. Obviously. The rotations at at uh, West Coast are looking a little bit old, so I would think Duggan had a big future at West Coast myself. But if he wants to leave, we'd we'd definitely um, put an offer in. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And back on Schultz for a sec. Reportedly, the offer that we've put on the table so far is three years, as opposed to the Dockers two. And it's said that he's content to stay with the Dockers and just settle for the two years, but. You know, there might be still more to play out on this. We'll see. Well, that's a that's a big gamble from him. Anything can go wrong in two years. And uh, Frio, although they're looking like they're improving, they always look like they're about to improve, don't they? Because they're so often near the bottom. Thanks, Tiz. You said it so I didn't have to. I don't have faith that Frio is going to be more than what they are. They, they're always just hovering. And I, I'd be very wary of that if I was lucky. But anyway, uh, meanwhile... In addition to all this stuff, the Hawks have also extended the contract of current assistant Chris Newman, so he'll stay on board as well. Which is excellent result, because um, we've heard him rumoured to be looking at uh, positions at other clubs, and uh, that's not happening, and he looks like he's a very good mate of Sammy's in the box. So, have we had any news from the exit, or rather entry meetings, as what Sammy was taught? What, have they just changed the name on the top of the shop or what's going on it's just the same stuff i think it's a, a nice little attitudinal shift yeah i got the sack at my uh, entry meeting <laughs> <laughs> well not quite i think it's more of a, a club mentality that, that sam was espousing at the the in the huddle virtual event last night where basically they're characterizing the the exit meetings as uh rather entry meetings into uh the next era of hawthorne which i don't mind that it's a it's a neat little touch um God, there was a lot covered last night, wasn't there? We've, we've taken an awful lot of notes that we're going to run through now. i tell you what was strange. Much more was covered, although um, Campbell Brown did, did well with the MC. Much more was covered in the question for the Q&A section of the Zoom with Sammy doing replies, which to go through and do that <laughs> 
for the rest of the conversation when he was only on camera about 20 minutes um, was was really good of him I thought nice little library he's got going there Nick it was a good looking setup uh, and and fantastic display of multitasking as you say I was sifting through the Q&A and geez we've got all sorts of little tidbits I want to run our listeners through because it's important there are some things that didn't come up on the actual interview section where he was where Campbell Brown was asking him questions that I think really need to be covered and that might be um, good for members to hear about. I liked it when he asked for two wing guards if uh, we could clone him. That was good. Yeah, well, that's been our wish for a long time. <laughs> uh, we we heard about a lot of players, and we're just going to run through a few of them now. Uh, Jackson Callow uh, was asked about, and Sam Mitchell basically said he's progressing really well. He's a good kid. He's got great hands, and his work rate is uh, one of his biggest assets. Didn't mention talent, so a uh, little bit of a drive-by there. But... <laughs> You should have seen some of the replies he was doing to these. He was clearly just smashing them out, clattering away on the keyboard, just wanting to give answers without going into too much detail, you know, just getting through each one. One of them didn't get a reply, though, did they, Nick? I reckon I was the only one to not get a reply. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, my question was a little bit too press conference-y. Your question was like a noose. It was a perfectly reasonable question about the morale of the club since the handover was finalised. And how is he going to extricate himself from that? Yeah, admittedly, that is a tough needle to thread. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to do a drive-by on Clarko in the process. But I, you know, I just wanted some sort of a, an insight into their good form. Because it did seem remarkably, whether it was coincidence or what, that once all that handover stuff was played out and the future was charted, they, they seem to play a lot better, the boys. I just wondered if that was if the playing group was more harmonious as a result. But look, I understand. That's a tough one to answer. Hmm. One day we'll find out, won't we, Nick? It's, um, it's fascinating, but they look so much better after that decision had been made. We heard about Will Day too. Sam Mitchell said Will still has some work to do. He'll have a slower start to the preseason, but he'll be sorted for round one. Well and truly, if all goes to plan... Uh, interestingly, and this is quite amusing too, Mitchell weighed in on a schoolyard debate of whether one would select Will Day or CJ in their team first, which I know many people already right now will be very curious about. And Sam Mitchell declared that he thinks that CJ will have a better highlight tape, but he'd take Daisy if it was a draft. That was from a kid, that question, wasn't it? I thought he entertained that well. Yeah, it was. It was legitimately from like a primary schooler, so I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Connor Downey is apparently going well, getting a little stronger over the footy and developing his footy IQ is going to serve him best and help him grow, says Sam Mitchell. Now, this is the big one. We're going in alphabetical order, ladies and gents, by the way. Uh, we're up to Jack Gunston. Now, clearly he's been in the news... He's been linked to Melbourne, people saying he might end up there. But it's the thing on people's minds is whether he's asked for a trade. And uh, Mitchell responded to those rumours, basically indicating he has not asked for a trade. Uh, He continued, had a really good chat with Jack a few weeks ago and at his uh, exits, see entry reading tis, he's really committed to where we're going. And he added that Gunston was uh, in at the club yesterday, committing to his rehab. So that's a good sign. Uh, yeah, I I got the feeling that Gunners was uh, staying. It, al- almost all the questions were about Gunners at the beginning, and uh, they just sort of quashed any rumours and said he's happy at the club and doing his rehab, so you just take them at their word. There was no entertaining of trade talk or anything like that. No, and believe you me, I was paying close attention. <laughs> I wanted to see if I could glean anything, but no, he played it well, Sam Mitchell. Uh, the next guy, Emerson Jecker, 
Sam Mitchell commented on him, saying he really likes his upside, saying he has a real presence on the field. If he can be more consistent with his defensive pressure and his intent, he could be a very strong player going down the line. Uh, So McCartney had some interesting things to say. He said, uh, he sort of said, uh, we've got Cozzy and we've got your mate, Mitch Lewis, and they're backing them both, but they're not sure if both will make it. So that, that could indicate that Callow gets a, a longer contract. Oh, make no mistake about it. 2022, the forward line is still taking shape. There is still definitely a contest for spots. I don't think it is uh, signed, sealed and delivered that it's going to be Lewis and Cozzy and then that's it. I think there is going to be shuffling. I think we, if Callow does indeed get a contract and he's extended, we will see him tried. Uh, Jekka will be fighting for a spot as well. It's going to be healthy competition for spots in a forward line that is just starting to find something. And staying with the forward line, uh, Mitchell mentioned Kaczynski. Uh, nasty surgery, of course. It was an AC joint injury in the end. I've read it roughly takes about six weeks, but he's had surgery. He's struggling to sleep at the moment, Cozzy, reportedly. But uh, as Mitchell said, and he's completely correct, good time to have it in the off-season. Yep, if you're going to have it, that's when you want to have it. Now, this was the news of the night, obviously. Um, this was buried in the comments section, and uh, he didn't crack a mention, but Connor Nash. Yeah, and I was very eagle-eyed with this one, Tiz, for your sake, for all the members' sakes, because, you know, we did say that Mitchell didn't really let much slip about 2022 and who's staying, who's going. You know, I was really listening out for this stuff, and this is probably the one instance in which we got a little bit of a, a tidbit, an exclusive uh, Connor Nash does appear like he will be contracted. And is it the two years we've heard? I've no idea how long. I couldn't say. But, I mean, Sam Mitchell in his comment here when asked about Connor Nash, uh, whether he'll continue to play in the midfield, uh, Sam Mitchell confirmed that he will continue to play in the midfield, which suggests that he will indeed have a contract for next year, which is news, isn't it? Like, that hasn't been announced. What was the other thing? Oh, yeah. Was it Sam Mitchell's decision to play him in the midfield? Well, Sam indicated that, you know, he played quite a straight bat on this one. Very diplomatic answer. Every decision is the coaching staff's decision. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we'll, we'll just take that at face value. I mean... He didn't necessarily need to be modest in that moment, but he was, so... No, I thought that was uh, professional, and I thought that was mature, and I liked it a lot. And I also liked how he told us about Timmy. Timmy was, apart from Connor Nash, one of the more interesting players that was addressed in this Q&A, mostly because I felt Mitchell's answer was very non-committal about his future. Well, he just said that... What did he emphasise? He emphasised that uh, Timmy O'Brien's best asset was his versatility, that we could either play him back, forward, or in the ruck. And and basically just left it there. Yeah, because people were asking, (laughs) Timmy's had some great games back. What are we going to do with him going forward? Similarly, someone asked where Sisley will be played, and that was an emphatic back. He's in the back line. It was a one-word answer, just back. Now, Mitchell added as well that James Sicily is progressing strongly. He's been really strong in the coach's box this year and will be ready to ramp up for pre-season. So good signs for James Sicily too. And it just seemed like the unit was functioning quite nicely, didn't it? With Sammy there, um, he looked relaxed. And then we heard from Rob McCartney, Mark McKenzie. Uh, we had Dylan Moore on. Uh, I'm sorry, we had Dylan Moore join us. And then we <laughs> <Jeez>. had... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to be careful with that one. And then also we had Liam Shields. I had a sneaky suspicion, Tiz, that that Dylan Moore uh, might reveal a contract extension, but no, it wasn't to be. I guess they'll go through more official channels for that. 
What did you think of the effort um, put into that? Well, the, the just the virtual event as a whole. Yeah. Uh, it didn't matter in the end to me, but I would have liked a bit more notice. I mean, I was sent an email maybe about three or four hours before the start time. I thought, oh, okay, well, there, there's my plans for the evening now. I didn't have those before, but now, now I do. And they went up against the All Australians, so that was that was a fascinating moment. Well, Hawthorne didn't have any any in the All Australia. Well, we had Tom Mitchell in the squad, of course, but he didn't make the final cut. No, oh, they would have known that too. Um. No, to, to attend one of those would be great, actually. Um, to meet people, um, that'd, be, that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, they were very, 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 very uh, appreciative of the support that all the supporters had been um, giving over the... And they really deplored how awful it was on Saturday to have a draw, and to have no crowd there, and to have to see off their champions without any kind of emotional... Um, catharsis. Well, Sam Mitchell referred to the vibe after the fact as very melancholy and hopeless, saying that you know, without you guys, footy is horrible. That is that is a big word. I did not expect horrible to be trotted out. That that was part of his message to members, which I thought was a good way for him to wrap things up in his little segment in the in the inside the huddle. He he began uh, the first thing I'd say is I can't wait to see you all, and more importantly to the players, we can't wait to hear you all. Uh, he also added, uh, I know that Hawthorne has not been perfect in the last couple of months, but we're on the right track. We're very well aligned and we've had open conversations with the board and the coaching group. We're on the up. And uh, I thought this was a nice little place to leave it too. He added, I'd like to continue the legacy of Alistair Clarkson. Yep. All the right things were said and it wasn't forced. It was just, it, you know, he's a very likable man, Sammy. As you'd expect, a lot of members had questions about, you know, what are you trying to do? What's your vision? Where where are the areas we can improve? Um, and, and Mitchell, on the club's greatest needs going forward, said it's about getting fans back, which is obviously out of his hands, but he re- clearly recognises uh, what kind of energy that can bring. So he wants fans back, but more importantly, on field, he wants to win the midfield battle and find more ways to score. Uh, and he also wants consistency, consistency. Um, he recognises when the midfield gets beaten up that the team struggles, which I completely agree with. And I thought this was nice as well. He wants to build a reputation founded on toughness. The old Campbell Browns. Yeah, yeah. Effectively, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what he tried to do at Box Hill. I haven't actually seen it. But when he's speaking to them, he's always talking about aggression and focus and on the ball and, you know, just just that... Uh, competitive nature but he wants it to go further he wants it to almost be over the top what do we call that again that was um the 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 commentators couldn't let go of that and every time we went up before the tribunal they kept on saying uh what is it it's the hawthorne the unsociable hawks that's it unsociable hawks but what better time to be unsociable than now (laughs) (laughs) exactly right uh yeah look i mean you can't deny that you know, Box Hill's played, what, 10 games with Sammy? And Mitchell has an, a remarkable ability just to get them to to flick that switch, just to go bang, and just they get into a zone where they are absolutely brutal against their opposition. Um, they will pile on, you know, an avalanche of goals. It's so good to watch. They're very entertaining. Now, speaking of Box Hill, uh, now, look, obviously a lot is up in the air with the final series. Uh, the club is holding training sessions and uh, they're working towards a finals campaign should it actually get off the ground. So 
just who is involved, as we've mentioned, Tiz, would be fascinating to see. Who's eligible? Who gets to play? I guess we'll find out. Did Sammy say 15 players were training yesterday to because um, they were eligible? Yes, the, the number that was trotted out was 15. If there's 15 AFL players eligible to play in VFL, let me tell you now, we're winning. <laughs> it's game over <laughs> as far as you're concerned. No, we should have a very good show, though. And uh, yeah, it'll be good to have some finals to watch. I'd love to see Box Hill, uh, you know, enter a finals campaign under Sam Mitchell. But yeah, I mean, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll keep our eyes on the numbers uh, coming out daily, and uh, we'll see if that's even remotely a possibility. But fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, I, I don't know if they'd take it interstate, but there's probably not enough money in the VFL. But um, hopefully, they get it done. Well, you're talking about interstate travel. I know a guy who's eyeing off overseas travel. As soon as possible. <laughs> Alistair Clarkson talking about his intentions for 2022. He wants to travel abroad. I don't know if he's going to get there, but uh, nevertheless, one of the big news items of the week was the fact that he's taking a year off. Yes, and don't you love how he drew it out of Carlton for just long enough to make them seem exceptionally badly administered? Uh, they are, quite frankly, worse than uh, us and handling coaching dismissals. <laughs> that takes some effort. Like, that really takes some doing. This was a big hold-my-beer moment from Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a debacle. I, I thought ours was shocking, but geez. And it, it took Teague to come out and say Patrick Cripps doesn't run the other way for the club to go, all right, actually, we probably should get rid of this fella. He's starting to badmouth one of our best players. Um I'd, we still don't know who's taking over, but uh, I think Jordan Lewis uh, does know and um, is still angry at Ross Lyon. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ever enjoyed Ross's tactics. So anyway, Clarko goes out without a crowd and quite a, a sad occasion. I was sitting watching the game and thinking, you know, you always have question marks over whether they've made the right decision. But... Um, the final act of Burgoyne, if that had if that had come off, just the touch on the ball, and then Jack Rewalt, we heard him in the uh, just on the mics that were travelling with the players after the game. He said, oh, "I w- kind of wish you'd touched it," and I was like, "Oh, Jack, you're not such a bad bastard after all. I, I, you know, I usually hate you, but um... gotta say, I'm not really there yet. I've not forgiven him." <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, at the end of the day, like, let's be honest, these are two teams playing for their respective occasions. Like they, you know, no doubt at all, Richmond wanted to get over the line for their retiring stars and, and so did Hawthorne. And in a sense, it's only fitting that it was a draw, but gee, mate, it was a, it was a tough one to swallow because Hawthorne should have won. Definitely should have won. Definitely should have won. They just uh, took their eye off the ball in the last five minutes of the of match time and... Um... Yeah, I mean, that didn't happen, but it does happen with a young side and all it needed was for someone to hold the ball up and we were over the line. But um, anyway, it won't be forgotten. That's a, that's a remarkable result. First draw with Richmond, first time a team's had two draws in a season and the press conference afterwards was, was nice that it was jointly shared with Hardwick. And um, yeah, I wonder what Clarko does do for the next year. Um of course, he's got his million bucks to count while he's there. Yeah, he really flipped Kennedy off, didn't he? He's sitting on his ass and earning a fat paycheck for it. Good on him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like 
it's been totally pissed up on the wall like most other clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your your position is effectively well. God knows he's earned it anyway. Yeah. If the feud with Kennett and Clarko was as bad as it's reported, you'd have to say that Clarko won the war, right? Well, he lost his job, Nick. Yeah. No, I'm sure he's super worried about not getting work. Can he come back to the club in the administration role and and take out Jeff? Uh, just be president from now on. That would be the ultimate story. <laughs> I don't know. He'd probably want to coach for a bit longer. He's still a young man, but uh, there does need to be some eyes on who's taking over after Jeff because uh, where I saw Clarkson losing the the will in the fight um, and getting a little bit um, disenchanted with the game and we saw him picking off on umpires' decisions and stuff like that and not really concentrating on the controllables, uh, we need some... We need some new blood at the top in the presidency and there's no real, we don't have any idea on who that might be. Um, and there's a lot of new people on the board that we don't know a lot about and they haven't been at a club for long. And in the past, presidents have spent upwards of five years on the board before they got to the roles of, role of president. And, you know, it's just, uh, it looks like time. And I think that this off season, that should be a uh, priority. Don't you? I, I think many people would agree it should be a priority. I wonder if the man himself agrees that finding a new president is a priority. I mean, you'd have to say that Jeff thinks he's doing a bang-up job, it appears. Well, uh, he's not one to apologise readily, but I think he would be frustrated with how it, how it all emerged. Um, I, I would say, he, like most things, he's, he's not exactly pleased. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, no, he's 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 been a stabilising force. There's no question about that, and it's all his own time, all his own money. You've got to respect that. Um, but we need, just like Clarkson had picked out Mitchell to take over from him, Jeff needs to find someone to take over his legacy and deliver on the projects. And I know we've we've got Reeves there on a five-year deal, so that's a stable plank there. You'd have to assume. But you just need you just need some new blood every now and again. I think times like this, um, with new blood in the footy, end, is an ideal way to start changing up the administration as well. And um, yeah, dare to be different. Yeah, I'd love to be on their Zoom calls. As a matter of fact, <laughs> but I I need any signs of life from the dare to be different committee. I don't even know if they exist anymore. We've got an AGM coming up, Nick. You've- can crack that question open. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be answered, just like my one at Inside the Huddle. <laughs> it won't just be swatted away, screened and forgotten about. So how good is it, though, to have the opportunity next year, which will probably happen, for the club to be able to have a commemorative event for both Burgers and Clarko and see them off in style? I think that has to be done. Well, they need to. They need to. That... I mean, it wasn't just the draw. It would have been odd anyway. Any result, a loss, a win, a draw, it was always going to sort of feel a bit wrong. Like, they they deserve better than that. Their contribution, not only to the club, but to the game, it, it deserves more than what they got from that afternoon. And look, I hope the club devises something. There is no more irrelevant contest than that last game. Mm. When you look at... <laughs> when you look at... What Clargo has done for our club, um, he came in as a relative unknown, 
with people sniping the decision to hire him. Even Crawford wasn't convinced, you know, and he convinced Crawford to stay, and Crawford leads them on field to a premiership with Sammy Mitchell as captain. And that was one of the most heroic days I've experienced. That was brilliant. And then you have the Nadir in 2010, 2011, and then we're back, lose a grand final, win a three-peat, and he did it all with a similar philosophy to what Kennedy and Jeans had created. And we'd lost a bit of that. And he brought it back, regenerated the club, and now he hands over a team that is on the up with a lot of youngsters. He took a bit of convincing to bring the youngsters into the side, but that happened. (laughs) They made a commitment. And now it looks like this team could make finals in a couple of years. You know, it's not where we were 18 months ago, which was looking straight down. They picked up some really good players. You know, we're talking about Bramble. we put Cozzy forward. He got McRae in, which is a fantastic appointment. He looked like he's been able to identify talent in that forward line and make it work. Now, we're probably going to lose him to Collingwood. That's the rumour. But Clarko has absolutely reformed Hawthorne as a football club, completely changed how Hawthorne was run. He made them into a professional outfit. And Jason Dunstall... Re- deserves a ridiculous amount of praise for the obstinacy he decided to go with Clarko in the face of of greats, great players from Hawthorne who were coaching, who wanted the job, and he said, nah, I'm going to take Clarko. You would have, would have forgiven people for having the same sort of thoughts about Burgoyne. I mean, Burgoyne was obviously an established player. He was a premiership player remarkably skilled but he did arrive at the club you know under a massive injury injury cloud and big concerns over what he could actually offer this team whether he was going to fulfill the the promise that you know the club actually saw in him and I mean here we are he's you know he's he's not only an indigenous player he's the indigenous player of the AFL in in the AFL's entire history uh 407 game player what a remarkable career with just a ridiculous CV Honestly. And at the time, it felt like a, a Hail Mary. Like, we're not doing too well. Like, it, the wheels are falling off. Uh, let's just bring in some talent at the cheapest price we can. And uh, he had no knee. I think there was, while it didn't perfectly go to script that afternoon against Richmond, there was something a little beautiful about, you know, Burgoyne being involved in the very last play. He was the only one to get anywhere near it. And, you know, it came up short, but I think it was symbolic. He's a determined competitor, literally right to the end of the line. And that's what I'll remember from that game. Richmond at both ends of the career at Hawthorne. Quite strange. (laughs) Very strange indeed. Uh, Do we want to talk about some of the the starring players that match? Because there was a bit to take from it. I mean, Tom Mitchell didn't do his All-Australian chances any harm there with this game. 36 disposals and 83.3%. Uh, disposal efficiency and five tackles did pretty well. Yeah, for the most part, I enjoyed everyone's game out there. Uh, the standout for me was Connor Nash. He was excellent. <laughs> I, I know you laugh, but that was his best game. It was. It was. And it's easy to overlook that in light of the occasion, but Connor Nash did indeed play his best game for the club. 24 touches at 87.5% disposal efficiency, eight marks, four clearances, an equal team high, five inside 50s, an equal team high, eight score involvements. 
Uh, I mean, you can see why the contract's there. And don't forget the goal, Nick. Well, I did forget the goal, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> that game feels like about three weeks ago. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the emotion that's gone into it. Uh, what about Tyler Brockman, who arguably had his best game for the Brown and Gold to date as well? Now, only the eight disposals, but uh, as we know, following the footsteps of one Sua Rioli, don't need to find too much of the footy to have a massive impact. He looked very dangerous and was our leading goal kicker on the day with three straight majors and a team-high 19 pressure axe. Really? Oh, I didn't notice the pressure axe, but congratulations to him. Uh, there's been rumours he wants to go back to WA. If you're playing like that, I don't believe the rumours. Mitch Lewis was very good. Unfortunate about Cozzy. Yeah, and with a history of shoulder injury complaints as well. It's not ideal. Uh, other than that, I thought, as, as you might have alluded to, it was a pretty even performance, I thought. There was no one player that I thought had an absolute shocker. I thought Jack Scrimshaw did well. Dan Howe, Sam Frost, Hardwick, Phillips... Uh, Wingard, I thought, was exhilarating. Wingard was unbelievable. He has had a fantastic month. Jack Scrimshaw has been the most improved over the last month. And Dan Howe has been... Well, that's his, that's his best form line for, ever. It's just... It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this list. Because, um, you know, God knows over the past month, we've had a, a number of guys sort of put their hand up and get our attention and get the club's attention to say, hey, look... I've got this to offer. I have a spot on this list. Uh, And that leads us nicely into miscellaneous listener questions here. Uh, Talking about building and reshaping this list, we had a number of questions. The first from Peter, uh, trade or draft or both? Who goes to make room? Thanks for a great year. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, Danny, along the same line, asks Sam Mitchell to the playing list this offseason. Small tweaks or ruthless cuts? And this from Jack as well. Which uncontracted players will get re-signed and who's gone? Now, um, I lump those three questions together because they're all along the same lines, and I think it's important for us just to quickfire run through all these players out of contract and give our thoughts very quickly. Before you do that, there's basically a part of the list that we've got to look at, and that's players that have been there five years and haven't cemented their roles. Yeah, correct. Okay. So they're the ones that you've got to make decisions on, and the decision is, do we keep them? And hope that they achieve better, or do we open up that list spot? Because they're probably you're not probably not going to find any trade value for them. But do we open up that list spot and have another crack at filling that with a player that will be first twenty-two? Yeah, it's time to decide for some players whether to cut and run. Basically, it's always a roll of the dice. The three I'm thinking of are Harry Morrison, Ollie Hanrahan, and James Cousins. Yeah, and they're all twenty-two, twenty-three. Uh, Harry Morrison's played the most games, he's got 56. The other two are around the 30-game mark. You're looking at a pick instead. It's a very tough decision. Um, We know Hanrahan's going to be getting offers from Geelong. Uh, James Cousins, he must be mighty frustrated because I think he could walk into a few lineups in the AFL. And Harry Morrison, when he's available, he he seems to play very well. Um, James Cousins only got a look when Morrison and Wingard were out of the lineup. So that would indicate his his access to requirements. Um, and the other bloke that I'm concerned about is Dan Howe. Uh, got a one-year contract. Where's he going? You know, is he off? Um, he's played his best month of footy. He's shown leadership potential. He's kicked some nice goals. Would we be getting anything coming back the other way? 
And then obviously there's the eternal question, Timmy O'Brien. <laughs> uh, restricted free agent. So Restricted free agent. Now, does everyone know what that means? Because he's been at the club a long time. To be restricted at this point, he's in the top 10 paid, the top 25% of the list, um, which would indicate probably that his contract was back-ended into this year mm-hmm. because I wouldn't imagine he'd be on that much money. But in the current period, he is, which me- which is beautiful list management because we get some control over what happens with him. We can go through the list now, but they're, they're what I'm thinking about, and that's what the list managers will be thinking about because they've got to get Bramble, who is a rookie, they've got to get him onto the list. Callow's also a rookie. Giath, rookie. Newcomb, rookie. And Hanrahan was a rookie too. So you've got to find spots. I think we've gone through the list inadvertently. I think you've covered them all. <laughs> uh, Bramble, of course, uh, we're going alphabetically here. Bramble need to decide on his future. You'd assume that he'd have a contract. Absolutely. It'd be madness not to. Uh, Brooksby could be curtains, you'd assume. I would think that the club would be aiming to secure Ruckman either through the draft or the trade period. You'd suggest probably the trade period rather than the draft. That's Hawthorne's way with Ruckman. Uh, they'd, they'd want a, a younger sort of Ruck to support Reeves going forward. You don't think McAndrew will still be there when you get our first pick? He looks fantastic. He could be, but to, you seem to be the, the most staunch advocate there is of Hawthorne not taking a ruck in the draft. Yeah, but there's rucks and then there's rucks. Oh, anyway, uh... <laughs> I didn't realise every time you said it in the past it had an asterisk on it. <laughs> no, but he's a he's a mobile ruck um, and you could play him not only... He would be a hard matchup in the forward line as well as... Doing well in the ruck. Next guy on the list here, uh, Jackson Callow, I absolutely persist with. Uh, Cousins, uh, I think the three guys you mentioned, Cousins, Morrison, Hanrahan, are all line ball. I would understand if, if Hawthorne members were a bit concerned about all three and what exactly we're doing there. Uh, Sam Frost, I imagine we retain uh, pretty up and straight up and down there. Uh, Damon Greaves, what do you reckon? Touch and go. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Obviously, the next guy, Hanrahan, we've touched on. Michael Hartley, I like him a lot. I think this might be it. I think Sam likes him a lot. I think so too, but just, you know, that word that came up before, excess. He's not a bad player, but we've just, we've got too much defensive depth. We do, we do. He, he's just, he's one of those guys where he'll, he's set to be squeezed out. And it's unfortunate. I think he's great, but this is what we've got. He's one of those players that if you could find the right spot for you for you in, in your lineup, he could be very damaging to the opposition. Absolutely. Next guy we touched on, uh, Dan Howe. Finn McGuinness, still very early days for Finn McGuinness. I, I'd, erring on the side of caution, I'd retain him. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. I know it sounds harsh, but because Sammy's put so much effort into him, I think he stays on the list. I think that is a huge factor, yeah. Mitchell is very well positioned to know what exactly to do in the case of Finn McGuinness. I still think, you know, it's funny, they're sort of uh, side-by-side here in the rundown, Howe and McGuinness. Um, Finn McGuinness's future might be, you know, hinging on what happens with Dan Howe. If if Howe goes, I think McGuinness definitely stays. Yeah, it's similar for Schultz and, and Hanrahan and Morrison and, and Cousins, really. If, if Schultz says, I'm, I'm on my way, you know, it makes the decision a lot easier. Dylan Moore, uh, Dylan Moore. At this point, you know, we we read something on the AFL website yesterday where you can pretty much lock that in. He's got a contract. 
that'll be announced soon enough. You don't put him on the club Zoom if he's leaving. <laughs> I think you might be right, yeah. Uh, Josh Morris, uh, again, sort of a similar situation. Heard rumblings that there's been a two-year deal there and it's just yet to be announced. Uh, Harry Morrison, the next guy. Connor Nash, as of last night, I, I don't know what the terms are, but I feel confident in uh, reading between the lines of what Sam Mitchell said that Connor Nash does indeed have a contract, so we'll wait to hear about that. Tim O'Brien we've talked about, and the last guy here who I think might be gone is uh, Harry Pepper. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry for Pepper. He's one of the Hawthorne Academy picks and uh, was, you know, he could have been anything, I suppose, but... Um been tough with the pandemic and all that stuff similar cases hartley for mine i think there's talent there but there's you know it'll just get squeezed out and they they tried to reinvent him as a small forward too which he applied himself well to that role yeah but it's just on again off again uh kind of fits and starts to the training all that kind of stuff it hasn't been easy for a lot of the vfl boys we had a question here from Ali at Hook Talk Pod. Uh, who or what position, rather, do we need to pick up in the draft? Now, my position on this hasn't really changed his the entire year. I'm still thinking midfield. I'm still thinking ruck. Um, but what are your thoughts? Anyone fast. I know we've got Seamus Mitchell, but we haven't seen a lot of him. Um, pick up another talented, fast, outside runner. There's a few going at the Dogs. There's a couple going at Sydney that we might have a look at. Uh, we just want pace, uh, we want ball carrying, long kicking ability, uh, we want to be able to stretch defences in that way. We've got Cozzy, we've got Lewis there now. If we can race forward with the pill and uh, do a bit of a, I hesitated to say Pagan's Paddock because it should just be Hutto's forward line because that's what it was, just Hutto, and, and just provide the space for those guys to get the job done with. Brockman and Wingard running through at pace, collecting the crumbs, along with Bruce or Gunston. Actually sounded pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you had a big smile on your face running through those names, didn't you? I reckon, as of last year's draft, um, these plans were put in place. They started, everything started like sort of nudged towards this plan where we we play a lot quicker than than we have been in previous years. I think our recruiting strategy made that evident last year. I think, well, not only think, but I hope it will continue this year. I definitely hope we recruit for speed. Um, we heard from Stephen here at Hook Talk Pod. Small forward is probably the hardest position to play on the ground. Do we need to look at bringing in uh, a new small forward? We tried Hanrahan, Brockman and Morris. Moore seems to have taken his chance, but I'd like to see him move into that dual role of the mid-forward. Narkel, Schultz and Loney are available. Narkel's never impressed me. I'm not interested. And Loney, although he's one of those blokes that plays well against Hawthorne, he had a lot of free kicks to get those goals. <laughs> Just infuriates me. So, no, thank you. Um, no, we'll, uh, we'll make our own. What I would say is that we're getting three in the first 30. Would you want... Another pick inside thirty, so you had four inside thirty. Because that, that that's the kind of thing you need to think about the acceleration of this list. Because there's there's dead wood there definitely. So what are you gonna what are you prepared to give up to get a pick between fifteen and twenty five? Well, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, you you put it to me. Do you want another pick? Of course, I say yes. But immediately, there's the follow up of well. It depends. <laughs> you know, not doing anything for it. There'd have to be an appropriate deal. But, I, yeah, I would hope that the club's looking at that. You're probably not going to get anything in the teens for a guy 
30 or above. So I I just don't know that we have that much currency that we should trade away at this point. Oh mate, the guys on the weekend who play who played their best games, they're the most currency you got at the club. Tom Mitchell, Jager Ramirez, Chad Wingard. They're it. You're not letting go of Sicily, who also has trade value. But that's exactly my point. If they're it, and also me, if, if I was calling the shots, I wouldn't be parting ways with them. So then, then there's the question of, well, who else? I'm not sure there is anyone else. I, I don't think we have a, a ton to play with in terms of currency and getting deals done like that. So, you know, could we get another pick? Well, maybe, but it might take some pretty bold calls to get it done. I mean, Jack Ross who hasn't played many games for the Tigers, was very good against that midfield on the weekend. That They're out there. Look at Newcomb. He hasn't had that many games. He'll be he'll be chomping at the bit to get in that spot. It's interesting. I can see if you roll the dice there, it could pay off very quickly, or you could have two years in the doldrums while you wait to get some more talent on the list again. It's it's uh, it's a absolute gamble, especially if you're getting a pick in the teens. It. They don't come off all that often. Set for an absolutely fascinating off-season is Hawthorne. Uh, now, speaking of midfielders, actually, had a question here from Neil. Uh, how good can Nash be? <laughs> <laughs> His move onto the ball has been pretty awesome. Oh, let's not put a ceiling on him, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, what a turnaround. That's a fantastic story for him. And the boys love him, too. If, you, if anyone tuned into the captain's run that was live-streamed last week, um, he, he seems to be a bit of a favourite among the playing group. It feels really good, doesn't it? It does. For for a bloke to finally hit his straps, and that's what they're all aiming to do. You know, I said a few weeks ago that a lot of guys get played out of position because they've got the most talent. It's not necessarily their best position, but that's best for the side. Like, how many people are going to compete with Tom Mitchell to take his spot, right? Exactly, yeah. You just can't do it. So you get pushed out to the side, and you're not the best wingman, you're not the best receiver, you're not the best kick, but you know better than Tom Mitchell at his role. So there you are. And, you know, he, he finally gets a run at it. Took ages, but he looks great and unpredictable. And he's still got a lot to learn. Like he needs some tricks. He needs to work out when not to give the ball up because a couple of times he just emergency hospital hand pass a couple of times. But, you know... um, You've got to remember that a few of these fellas haven't had a pre-season either. So some of our best players haven't had pre-seasons this, for this campaign. So you're looking at Bramble, Callow. Cozzies was, um, was a pretty good pre-season, but I don't think he started as early as the rest. So there's, there is you know, natural improvement in a lot of these players as well. But the point is, now there's something to work with. There's fertile ground from which things can grow, Tears. We didn't have that with Nash before. Now we do. So he's pretty exciting heading into 2022, to be honest. Well, I would say that if on the day we found out that Tom Mitchell was out, laid out, that'd be it. If on the day we found out that Jager Ramirez was a laid out, that'd be it. Well, you say that. It didn't didn't do anything with the Bulldogs game, did it? Exactly. (laughs) But earlier in the year, I'm talking about, if we heard that, that'd you know be like, oh, okay, I'll watch the highlights. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, now it looks a little bit better, that midfield. You bring in, you get Newcomb with a preseason and he's playing in there. You're not as dependent on those guys. And you don't know what they can do, right? They might get better again. They might be able to play forward. We saw Amira playing forward. He didn't look too great. But um, Warple looked good in the forward line. So, 
I don't know. It's 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 exciting, isn't it, Nick? Exciting times moving forward. So let's look back to the past. Uh, Ethan at Hook Talk Pod. Who would you put on a Hawthorne Mount Rushmore? I would go Clarko, Kanga, Lethal, and Chief. Clarko, Kanga, Lethal, and Chief. It's pretty good. It's hard to top, isn't it? <laughs> Ethan's taking the best answer, maybe. I mean, it overlooks Dipper. If you're doing a Mount Rushmore, I would keep it to the players, wouldn't you? Yeah, I did think about that. And it did make me consider my personal favourite players and what my personal Hawthorne Mount Rushmore would be. And, of course, I thought, uh, Buddy, uh, Cyril, you shook your head at Buddy. I absolutely did <laughs> shake my head at Buddy. Why? Uh, well, I'm still bitter. Oh, come on. you got to love the big bud. You don't enjoy watching him play? Well, look, it's, it's pointless. You're not going to win me round. I have a soft spot for bud. Everyone knows it. What I enjoy about watching him play at the moment is the um, the pressure, the absolute maximum pressure that he is putting on Sydney's salary cap. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's his best pressure act. <laughs> the pressure has been turned up. Talk about squeezing players out. Sydney's got a big problem. Yeah, well, if you're going to retain Kennedy, uh, you would have a big problem. Look, I, I came up with the first three names off the top of my head were Buddy, Cyril, Burgoyne, and then I couldn't decide on a fourth. I guess Hodge? I don't know. It's so difficult because, geez, mate, we've, we've seen some players in our time lately, haven't we? I mean, we've been super privileged as Hawthorne fans, but that question becomes actually hard. Uh, you know, Croft even. You know, could put Croft in there anyway. Um, fantastic question, Ethan. Gary Ayres, Michael Tuck. Yeah, well, I mean, again, these are my personal Mount Rushmore. These guys are before my time. Look, let's not limit us to only four. <laughs> it's an entire mountain range. Yeah, the Hawthorne mountain range. That'll do. Actually, Ayres is at a loose end. Are we Is he in the thoughts for taking over Box Hill Hawks, or do you think they'll just let Colo take it because he's at the club already and they're trying to... Squeeze the cash as far as it can go. You got Colo in the equation. You know, potentially they could be sounding out airs or hail, as we said before. There are some nice options there. I'm more intrigued by that than I am the Carlton job. Put it that way. Oh, if they get Ross Lyon. Oh, my goodness. You're going to love that. It, yeah, no, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the big question, mate, coming out of that is um, who fills that seat on Footy Classified? I just don't know how they'll manage. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Correct answer. Uh, this final question from Tim. I mean, sort of a question, sort of a comment, really. Am I the only one who is super optimistic about next year? If we get a good run with injuries, we're a sneaky chance to make the eight. Day, Impy, CJ, Sicily to come back into the back line. Uh, midfield starting to gel with the emergence of Jai Newcomb and Connor Nash being able to play there. Natural growth in our young forwards and gunners. Tell you what, Tim has spelled it out, mate. It's looking a bit better than people thought. Yeah, well, it's all about scoreboard pressure, and scoreboard pressure is all about getting easy goals. Now, when was the last time you saw Hawthorne get an easy goal? We see it against us sometimes, the ease at which our opponents score. When we start doing that, that's when you know Hawthorne can be something fantastic. And to get easy goals, you need pace wholeheartedly agree with that that's something to look forward to uh mate we better wrap this up we've been waffling on for some time we need to get to our social media stuff as always of course we'd really appreciate it if you left a rating or a review of our show 
via Apple Podcasts. Now, effectively, by doing that, puts our show up in lights and helps other hawkers to find our show. So uh, jump on board and do that. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. We have a huge milestone that we want to reach before the end of the year. 3,000 followers. Only about 100 away now. Uh, Jump on, join the community. Always buzzing with activity, and we really enjoy chatting with fellow Hawks fans there. The same can be said for Facebook too. You can join our Facebook family at facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. And we also have Instagram and we have merch available over at redbubble.com. Search hawktalkpodcast and you can support the show. This is the big one too, folks. Support the show over on Patreon. You can become a subscriber. There's all sorts of subscription tiers. You can sign up to whichever suits you. We want to give a shout out to Cryptic, who just came aboard as helping to keep us plugging away and bringing you all the Hawthorne content you've come to love over the off-season. Thank you, Cryptic. And yes, if you'd like to support us, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. So when are we back, Nick? We're taking a break. We're taking a break. At least a fortnight, I'd say, mate. Of course, if there's massive, seismic, groundbreaking news, of course, you know, we'll sound the alarm and get the band back together. The band of two. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, until then, I think it's been a long season, mate. Uh, With everything that's happening in in the broader context of lockdown, in our, in our lives, I think we've earned a break. Can we do Grand Final Edition? Yeah, we've done that in the past. Yeah, we've, we've done a Grand Final Edition of the pod. That's always fun. Um, and I dare say by the time that rolls around, there'll probably be some more Hawthorne news. So, um, yeah, I just think we take a bit of a breather for now. We, we want to thank you, everyone, for joining us in the season that was. Well, we'll do a big season recap right at the end of the year to, to take in the trade and draft period as well and everything. Um, but for now, it's been... Uh, a big home and away season, mixed fortunes, but not altogether unenjoyable. I certainly had my highlights. How did you find it? Uh, well, it started badly, and the less said about the middle, um, the better, but the end was fabulous. I really enjoyed the end. I'm not sure it started quite so badly. I mean, Campbell Brown pointed that out last night on Inside the Huddle. All right, so the first game, the first game was fantastic. But the first half of that first game was awful. <laughs> All right, you got me there. I have to agree with you on that one. I, I just love Campbell Brown. One of the first things he pointed out was, yeah, it was great to stick it up, Essendon. Never change, Campbell. <laughs> He's got some good energy, Campbell, doesn't he? Like, oh, wow. I enjoy his work. Fantastic stuff. Uh, we better wrap this up now. Uh, as we said, we will be taking a bit of a break, but don't worry, we'll be still hanging around on our social media platforms so you can catch us there. And uh, yes, a bit of a breather, but we'll be back very soon with a brand new episode of the Hawk Talk podcast. Until then, enjoy the final series. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.